0: Mastering Music, Master, Mastering Music
1: Welcome to Mastering Music, my name is La Torin and today's episode is a little bit different. Normally I am interviewing a musician or a music entrepreneur or an agent but today's episode is going to be different, I'm not going to interview. It's going to be a girl named Vicky Stoughton. And she's a student at the Tilbury conservatorium she's in the singer class and today she is going to interview me because she wrote me a message asking Petronella can i interview you and i said of course and then i thought why not put it in the podcast it's a good opportunity for me to learn how it feels to be in the podcast as a guest And I'm gonna try to answer her questions as good as I can. I cannot say that I'm doing it as well as my previous guest because they are the masters. Of course, they answer so good and I have so big respect and wow, I'm so impressed of them because it's difficult to give good answer in the moment. So, wow, great job, guys. I need to practice this more. (laughs) That's all I can say. In the podcast, we're going to actually tell a little bit about Vicky and her concert that's coming up. She has an EXAM concert and and the date has changed a little bit. So instead of the dates that we say in the podcast, it's going to be the 6th of June at 12 o'clock in Fontys Conservatorium, room A016. You can find all the information on Vicky's webpage. So if you want to hear some Janashek opera, you should go. Amazing opera. So please go and listen. It's going to be a great moment. And now let's listen to some music. Some music from me. So this is a song that I made. I'm playing shallow and I'm singing. So I'm doing a little bit of co-coordination here with the music. I really love to play with the cello because the cello is awesome and the best instrument, according to me. And I'm trying to sing a little bit as well. So Swedish song, cello and song, how can it go wrong? Please enjoy. Ut i hage, written by Hugo Luttermann or someone else in Sweden, it's not really sure. And arranged by yours truly, Petronella Turin.
0: to Mastery Music, Vicky Stouten.
1: Today is a little bit different because you are actually going to interview me.
2: Yes, I am. I'm going to interview you. I'm studying at a conservatory in Tilburg, Fontys Academy of Music. I'm trying to figure out if there are success formulas for young musicians. I'm really curious about uh, your podcast and your social media strategies, actually, because you have this very good way of being successful on the internet. And I'm very curious about how you came about with your podcast and how you get in touch with other musicians. And I'm hoping that this might contribute to uh, my research on career planning and ideas for young musicians.
1: Wow, sounds really good. I love your research. I feel that I'm doing the same a little bit, like researching with the podcast about uh, musicians. But tell me also, you're a singer, so you are a soprano.
2: I am a soprano, yes, like everyone else. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I do you recall soprano or dramatic or... Right now I'm uh, more in the spintofach. Mm-hmm. I used to sing mezzo repertoire for years, and I I switched to a soprano about one and a half year ago. And I'm working on a project for my Master One exam in which I will be singing the role of Janufa, like a short version of the Janacek's opera. I love
1: Janacek.
2: He's so good. I love it too. It's mm. really it's really amazing music and I feel like this repertoire really speaks to me also and that therefore I can bring it more convincing. And this is why I chose to st- study the role of Yanufa for my Master One project. Which language is this opera in? Czech. In Czech? Wow, so you have to sing in Czech? Yes, and it's really difficult. How is the Czech going? (laughs) (laughs) I sometimes have classes and then my teacher asks me, is it, uh, you have difficulty with the notes, don't you? And I say, no, I don't have difficulty with the notes. I have difficulty with the consonants. Because it's so many, it's very difficult to just get it right. But I have a lot of language coaching with different Czech people. And once you really get into this repertoire in this Slavic language, and you sing more in it, then at some point it just comes natural because you're used to it. Yeah, and then the notes will come by themselves
1: because, I mean, the melody is probably in the language a little bit. Or I'm thinking that.
2: It's the most gorgeous music ever. And I think that really helps. When is your exam concert? On, on the 6th of June at 10.30 in the morning at the A016 Theater in Tilburg. Oh yeah, so then we can come and listen. If we you want to, yes. Write
1: all the Czech people, if they <laughs> miss uh, their home language mm-hmm. and um, all other people as well, because it's uh, not so often you hear this repertoire, at least not. I didn't hear it so in uh, a concert, so I would, I would love to come. It's early in the morning to sing,
0: yeah?
2: It, it is really early, um, but because it is my Master 1 exam, I did not ask for another time because it's to pass to watch my Master 2. At first I just wanted to study roles and I started studying the role of Yanufa and I loved it so much and I loved working with it so much that I decided that I wanted to put some scenery to it as well. And then from there on it just got out of hand until a point where it's becoming mini production of Yanufa in mm-hmm. which I will be the only person singing and other people will be actors playing parts and making symbolic movements to let the story come across as well. And uh, do you have piano accompaniment? Or- Yes, the school pianist will accompany me. Should have shallows? (laughs) Actually, I should, yes. Shallow is the best. (laughs) (laughs) always use a shallow. (laughs) Yeah, and this research uh,
1: project is something that you do, uh, that you're going to write about and that you have to do, I guess, for the study also.
2: It's a part of a course in Tilburg called Entrepreneurship and... We have to write about uh, how we want to plan our own careers and what market we see ourselves fit for. And also we have to interview 12 musicians at least about their their accomplishments and their way of planning their career and pursuing their career. And I I came to you uh, via Susanne Shimak because she told me that you have this very interesting social media strategy and podcast. Uh-huh. This is- and which are the other 12? It's Susanne Shimak. it's me. And Which are the other 12? I interviewed a lot of singers, actually, Mm -hmm. but I also interviewed a lot of some people that work in the internet business and some people that work in collecting funds about how they get uh, connections and uh, what what kind of people they know and how they get there. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to make a mixture of different things most of them are singers. Yeah, but
1: you're a singer, so it's natural. But it's 12 musicians are a lot. It's a lot of work, actually. I mean, I didn't... Uh, maybe I interviewed 12 people for my podcast. So, I mean, it takes a lot of time. And I think it's really good, though. It's really uh, good from your teacher. I do give my compliments to your teacher. It's a good, uh, good strategy. It sounds like a really good course.
2: So, yeah, hit me with your questions. Well, my first question is, how did you get the idea about this podcast? How did you start? How did this thing start? Well... It
1: started with me loving podcasts from the beginning. I listen to a lot of co- podcasts. Um, I listen to a lot of Swedish podcasts because I am Swedish and I guess I also feel that I have to practice my own language a little bit because I've been living out of Sweden now for like five or six years so my mother was complaining uh, saying "Petra, your Swedish is getting ba- worse <laughs> and I'm, a, it's my mother's tongue so I will never lose my Swedish. Of course I can speak it but sometimes uh, when you speak and thinking English a lot you prefer to use those expressions and my boyfriend is also speaking english with me so it's a lot of english in my life And master is like typical english speaking region because there's so many students and companies from different places so yeah we speak a lot of english anyway why i started the podcast was because i listened to this podcast in sweden called the success Post, uh, podcast it's with uh, alexander Perlerus and he's amazing like he makes these so good episodes with the um, people who are successful in all fields, so he invites doctors, brain scientists, multimillionaires, all Swedish people mostly, and then uh, like athletes, and he asks them. What makes you so successful? Like, what are your keys for success? And then I wrote to him because I wanted him to interview uh, classical musicians as well. I said, I'm really interested in you interviewing these people. But he never interviewed any classical musicians. He always interviewed these pop musicians and all the other youngers. So I was like, oh my God, I want to hear, you know, I want to hear from the classical musicians because I think they have a lot to give. So then I was like, you know, I got tired of waiting. For someone to make a podcast that I could listen to, so then I made my own. I, um, I didn't find so many podcasts like this, so I thought, okay, I will, I will do it, you know. I don't know so much about making sound recordings, but I will learn, you know. How hard can it be? Because <laughs> I am a lot like this. And then I thought it would be a great research because I am on the hunt already listening to all these podcasts that I do listen to is because I'm researching how I can become better and how musicians can become better because I feel that we are very backward thinking and I think that's a little bit of pity that we always I hear a lot of people saying yeah it was better before in you know Mozart and Beethoven's time and I say no <laughs> it was not because obviously I'm a woman so I wouldn't de- even be allowed to do whatever I want at that time and things get better all the time like things have never been as good as they are right now in the world, actually, people are getting more education. People are starving less. There is less terrorist attacks, even though it doesn't seem like that. Because the newspapers are always like, ah, screaming about all the bad things. But actually, the world has never been better or is getting better all the time through a human perspective. Of course, the environment is another thing. But I want to do what I want to do with this podcast is to help people uh, find their way. Because I also feel that after the conservatorium, they just release us and say, goodbye, good luck. And that's a little bit, uh, okay, what now? What do we do now? And what happens now? And then I thought, okay, this podcast, I will ask people so they can get inspired uh, by the good things other people do and other instruments you know not only cellists, not only singers so i i can learn from a guitar player and the guitar player can learn something from the shallist and maybe the opera singer will learn something from the composer so it's like to share the share the borders and go cross borders between the instruments and the genres also the jasmine I'm, I'm gonna interview more jasmine uh, i've been starting. Uh, classical now, but I have some jazz episodes coming up. But also like between the businessman, the managers of music and the artists so we can learn from each other. What is he looking for? What do he need as a manager from me as a musician? And how to, you know, write a CV in a good way and all this stuff that I feel that a lot of musicians are missing out. And so I'm doing this research with all the interviews and I'm going to interview as many as I can. And then in the end, I hope that I can write a book about it, maybe so people can get the support because I feel that it's so secret everything no one wants to tell you anything they like no it's a secret because I come from a non-musician family uh, it's a very long answer to this question but I was brought up in like a small farm in Sweden and no one is playing any mus- uh, musical instrument in my family like my brother and my sister played like one or two years but not more So when I wanted to become a cellist, no one knew how to become a cellist and no one could tell me. So I felt like, okay, so I have to be born into this profession to be able to know it. And I didn't know that you have to play the piano to enter the conservatorium until I was like 14. So then I was like, oh, my God, I have to learn the piano. (laughs) So I was like fast running off the Russian piano teacher to teach me Uh, and all this stuff that is not rocket science. But if you are not living in that kind of world or environment, you have to have some help. And I think that's uh, important. But also we have this kind of uh, jealousy around and competition in the music world. And I don't really see why we have to be in the negative way. Why don't be in the positive way? Like, OK, let's share our good stuff and help each other to become better. Because I don't really get jealous in that way because I believe there's only one of me, you know. So why should I be jealous at another chalice? Because they are not me. I am the best of being me. So then I can share my good stuff with another charlist and without feeling that, oh my God, it's going to take the jobs from me because no one will take the jobs from me because what they are buying is me. Okay, so that's why I started the podcast. Want to inspire, then give things to other people.
2: It's a a very clear answer. It's actually, it's very informing as well. You say that you feel like you get a lot of, you see a lot of students that graduate from the conservatoire and don't know where to start. Do you feel that there are things that are really missing at the conservatoire or do you feel like people are taking things for granted that they should? I think it's a lot of things missing
1: in the conservatorium because they missed out on a big part of being a musician i don't know why they don't do it because in other fields they do it like in the sports so yeah it's going to be a long answer again but for me to become a good musician you need three things you have to have a good craftsmanship you're a craftsmanship you're a worker who works with your hands with your body you have to have techniques and all this technical stuff that's the craftsmanship part of it and then the second thing is you have to be an artist. You have to have the creativity and you have to be able to create something with your mind, something uh, that you want to create. And then the third thing is you have to be a person. You have to be a human because the cello doesn't play itself or the piano or, you know, so you have to be a human. And I think what the conservatoriums are missing out is human power. They just want us to practice really hard. And if it goes bad, they tell us to practice even more. And the thing is, if you are a human who doesn't know how to practice good, you will practice more in the bad way. So don't practice more if, you, if it goes bad. It's not because you don't practice, it's because you practice bad. So you have to practice better. So what I think the conservatorium are missing out on, not always, but they don't teach us how to practice. People get a lot of injury in their body, because they use their body in a bad way, so they have problems in the arms. If you go to an orchestra and you look at the sick leave, why people are sick from the orchestra is because they have a shoulder with like really bad shape or arms, wrists. Is so many back problems and pain that people live with, and I feel that people don't talk about it because they're a little bit ashamed also. Maybe it's just in the instrumental world, but I mean, people would be ashamed to say that, yeah, I practice so bad, so now my wrist is really bad. They feel like stressed and they kind of shame label. And I mean, it's not their fault. They just used it in a bad way. Like there is ways of learning how to do it good. But then you have to look at the human perspective. You have to hire someone who knows about the human body. And that's not the musician because musicians doesn't know that because they, there is nothing about being a human in the conservatorium. There is not a course, humanology, you know, homo sapiens course. which I think they should have like even normal schools. It's not. Only only music schools they should have this course because if you buy a dog you read books about dogs you go courses about dogs you don't use buy a dog randomly and just i don't know where to feed it you know do it need exercise i don't know oh can a dog eat chocolate i don't know i will try no people don't do this they read books they look at the dog whisper on tv they know a lot about dogs before they buy a dog but what do you really know about you what do you know about you as a human and people don't know and they are practicing, for example, memorizing. I'm going to memorize this piece. Okay, but how does your memory work? Do you actually know that? And people are like, no, I just practice it 10, 10 million times and then I will know it. It's like, no, that's a waste of time in my opinion because you don't have to do that. You can do it, but it's not the best way. So I'm trying to like learn about the human part. It's also I'm a mental trainer. So I train people mentally in how not to be nervous and how the memory works. And I try to make their time worth it, you know, so they don't practice all these hours, ten thousand hours, they say that we have to practice to be a professional musician, but ten thousand hours of bad practicing is not gonna make you a good musician. So I, I would like the conservatoriums to have a course in mental training and in humanology so people to start to take care of the body because if you you cannot play really good if your body doesn't work good. And I think singers know that more than instrumentalists because they They really get affected really fast. It gets like directly if they have a bad uh, posture or something, it affects how they sing directly. In that way, it's really good to be a singer because they have to care for it and they also have to move and do like dancing lessons and stuff. But I think that we should have sports in the conservatorium. So everyone has to do sports because that will help them so much and they will make the sick leave so much less. And also like if you do sports uh, around from 20 to 30 minutes, three times a week, you actually get more intelligent. So there is nothing that speaks for you to not do sports. They did this like research with two identical twins. One did train and one didn't. And they did an intelligent test before and after. And the twin who was training got more intelligent. It raised their uh, IQ, actually. So, I mean, there is no mercy there. I always like torment my mental training student with train, you know. It makes you better. You become more smart. And it's like a formula in your body. That makes you not nervous because you get all the good stuff, you know, the antioxidants against nervous uh, nervousity. University is a word that I made up myself. It doesn't exist in the English language. My British students were like, Petra, I don't think that's a word. I'm like, oh, okay, but now it is. In the <laughs> mental training world, it is a word. But what's the question? Yeah, what need the conservatorium have? So I, I think they should have mental training, definitely. I mean, saying Bolt have a mental trainer. He has a person who helping him with eating, with the training, with mental stage. Everything needs to be connected. So I think they need to hire a mental trainer because it's as important, if not more, more important than the other stuff because i mean history of music is really good you need that but to be honest you can read that book yourself mental training not so many people can do it by themselves They need help. They don't need it all the time, but they need it for some months. Yeah, normally they come one week before the concert in panic to me and like, help, I have the concert, you have to help me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to fix you in one week, fix years of uh, bad habits in one week. That's not really fair, (laughs) but I will try. Normally I can give them a lifeboat so they can live through the concert, but uh, it takes some time. It doesn't take years, but it takes some months of dedication.
2: I'm also very curious about how you decide what you want to broadcast on your podcast. I take what I like. I started a podcast
1: and not a lot of people would like think about starting a podcast but I'm, I'm kind of I think after, you know. I'm a little bit like that. So if I see something I like, I do it. I do it fast, try it out. I'm not one of these person who is like hesitating. Should I do it? Can I do it? No. I'm like, I want to do this, I do this. So if I want to interview a person, I write them. And sometimes it's very hard to get to them. Like I have some really famous violinist that I was writing to and he, it was impossible to get his email. And I was like, okay. So I find him on Facebook. We have common friends. I go and I friend request him and I ask him on Facebook, like, hello, here I am. I couldn't find your email. So I'm sending an invitation to my podcast here. And he said, yeah, sure, you know i will come he's probably hard to reach because he's quite popular so a lot of people probably write to him i mostly like to have people who is ready to share you know people who wants to share to wants to give something to other people and how do i know if they want that i don't really know i just go my gut feeling sometimes i ask their students how they are sometimes i have seen them in concerts sometimes i see something good in them And I want to know more because when I see someone who plays really good, I'm like, okay, I really like that. They have a great sound. How do they do that? I want to know. So I ask them and I think that's why um, I interview some people and then I of course I try to now in the beginning to interview di- different musicians so it's not only cellists or you know it was a lot of shallow it is a lot of shallow but I, it just happened that way because I was uh, in the shallow festival and then I had like all the great cellists from uh, Europe there not all of them of course but some of the german who was really really good so of course I took my podcast equipment and I just you know interview all of them So then it becomes a lot of shallow, but I I take the ones that I like. And if someone wants to be in the podcast, they are more than happy to come. And sometimes my friends say, maybe you could interview this guy. I'm really curious about that. Or maybe you can interview a manager. I want to hear a manager. But mostly I take what I feel is interested, and I have big plans of having instrumentalist, instrument uh, builders also in the in the show to ask them because I want to have a little clinic of uh, how to take care of your instrument, for example, because I think I could really use that information because I don't think we take care of our instrument in the best way that we could. For example, like the shallow, they crack a lot when it's dry outside. I mean, in the Netherlands it's very humid, but in Sweden they crack like crazy in the winter because it's very drive and I mean there is so much to know about music also people in the studio you know they see all these musicians they uh, interview and they record all these musicians it's super interesting just to interview someone who is recording music so there is uh, so much to know and so much that I want to do so I'm I'm like open for everything also competitions I go and I write them so everyone who wants to join or have something that they want to give other people they can be on my podcast a little bit like that of course it would be good if they are not I don't want people who have a very bad view on humanity or stuff like this so I have some restrictions of course but mostly um, mostly people said yes I only had one no. Or two, maybe, because they were a little bit scared, I think. I had one no because of the language. He didn't think he could speak good enough English, but otherwise. And then I had another no, but it was like an organization. And they were like, yeah, we don't know. It's a new podcast. Maybe we will wait a little bit. But otherwise, it was uh, very positive when I write people about being in the podcast. And people give a lot. I mean, they are very busy. A lot of them, they have so many students, so many concerts, and still they give me two or three hours, which is really generous of them. And I don't pay them because, yeah, I can pay them because the podcast doesn't earn any money right now. So we want sponsors. In the future, more, more sponsors would be great. But I mean, yeah, so that's how I choose them if they have something interesting. And then I try to make it equal between the sexes, of course, because I feel that a lot In some countries, there are so many guys, you know, real sausage party. When you open up the webpage, I'm like, okay, is there a woman in this country, you know, for this competition or for this jury? It's only guys. It's like five guys, two women. I'm like, okay, is there no woman who can play? (laughs) Because I'm Swedish and equality is very important for me. So I, and it's also interesting to hear because it's a different story, I think, between if you are a woman or a man and it's going to change. I think in the scientists, they have predicted that in 15 years, there will be mostly women because it's mostly women who goes to to the universities. So the development is going to be interesting to see.
2: So actually you just choose what you like, which is actually a great thing. Is there uh, a connection between your first idea about this podcast being giving people some kind of instruction on how to become a musician and the podcast, how it has developed until now?
1: Yeah, like I don't want to give them instructions, but I want to give them inspiration. Because I'm not telling them this is the only way to do it. I just want them to get inspired because that's what I'm doing for myself. I'm getting ideas of how to become better. And it's also a legacy, you know, because a lot of them are really good professors or uh, musicians. There is no documentation about them. They live now and their concerts are now, but in 50 years they, they will not be there. And all you have is a recording. You don't have actually so many interviews with them. So I think it's also a legacy. Like you can go back and see how the views were at this time, because I'm sure that if in 100 years, uh, we will think about music differently. It's also like if you go back in the shallow world to like 100 years ago, how people were playing Bach is very different from how they play Bach now. And maybe it would be interesting to look into the head of the people who was playing back then. How it changed. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know if it changed so much because I had a lot of experience. Like I changed a lot. I think the things that are changing is me and how I am approaching things, how I'm putting my questions and what questions I use. And um, I think that's mostly what changed. And I mean, I get braver and braver. So I get more uh, because in the beginning, I, I like to take people that I knew would save me if I fall because i'm not a journalist i'm not an educated journalist i just have my questions from uh, my own life as a musician and my questions that i have in my head the questions that my friends have so then i'm just using that it's like an open master class but it's in the interview form sort of so i'm changing a lot and uh, because i'm learning from the podcast i am learned so much and i listen to the episode a lot i listen to them like two or three times at least after when it's ready but when, it's, uh, when we make, bake the podcast, we listen to it 100 million times. Like, um, I'm so lucky because I'm not doing this alone. I also have my boyfriend who helps me, Maurice. He's uh, really, he's the rock because he's so good with details. He's really taking care of making good sounds and he's cutting away all the smacking. You know, you do a lot, lot of sn- 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 the human factor. <laughs> he's he's screwing it down. Not always, like he cannot do Magic, but almost because he's really good at helping me and figuring out stuff. And I'm saying, Yeah, maybe we could do like this have some background music here. How would we cut it? And he always like helps me. And that's really like, I'm not alone. I really have to have help with this with him because I don't know all this stuff about. And he's like, If he doesn't know, he goes on the internet and he's searching because he's like a factor maniac. He can find any information and learn it really quick. Because he's very smart. So, uh, yeah, big thanks to him. He's amazing. Without him, the podcast would be really bad <laughs> because he would only be me uh, with all my ideas and I don't have the sense for details that he has. It makes the podcast also better. I mean, some episodes, if you have listened to them, the quality is not as good as others. And it's because I learned how to put the mics right and how to put the shares in a good position. So it's a lot of learning by doing. But now I think I figure it out, at least how to do it like in a good uh, quality way. So I'm changing more than the podcast. But the podcast is changing to the better because I I am getting better.
2: And what are the most important things that you learned from making this podcast for your musicianship? Oh, the most important thing.
1: Well, if I'm going to say what makes like what is common for the most of the people who are I interview, who are successful, is that they all... Do physical activity once again. <laughs> putting physical activity up there, it's uh, so that's really important. Like all of them do something. Like they are not they're not athletes, but they do something physical every week, and it's important to them. And they they value it. Like I have some uh, mental training students, and they say, "Yeah, I don't have time to train because I have to practice." They say, and I say, "Okay, but do you have time to be sick? Because in the long run, if you don't train, you will be sick. So that's like." The contra uh, argument I have for not training, because people say, I don't have time, but do they have time to in maybe 10 years or when they are older, you know, they pay the price. So in the long term, you have to look at that. And then also a lot of them are, they're brave. Maybe they are not as brave as I would say, because I have an opinion that I think that brave people, uh, you are brave when you do things that you are scared of. And a lot of people say that I am brave. But I'm not so brave as they think because I'm not scared of a lot of things. So I'm not so brave as they think because I'm not scared. People say, oh, but you just go to this big uh, artist and you just ask them. Yes, because I'm not scared of them because everyone is human. That's very important to remember. We fast are humans and then we play an instrument. It's not the other way around. We are not gods just because we can do a, um, a skill. So they are hardworking people who uh, takes care and they want to give something. They don't do all their art for their ego. And I think that's important to remember because sometimes as a student, you can be really in this bubble that is just me, me, me. And I want to play good. I want people to like me and I want them to think that I am good. And sometimes you have to think of a bigger picture in order to have a good uh, musician. Like if you want to give more than you get. I think that's really important to give some of the interviews. They really give a lot to their students. They care for them. They care for what they are doing. They involve so much. And in the concerts, they are like, okay, I'm going to give this to the audience. I'm going to give everything, you know? So it's not because they are uplifting their ego. It's because they are, of course, that comes with it, you know? Because if people like what you do, of course, you're going to get, you have to have an ego in order to, the pressure but you have to also have a big picture that you want to give something to other people and i think that's the big thing that i changed also uh, some years ago that i started to think what can i give why should people listen to me what can i give them instead of what can they give me so that's a really good business advice as well you know if you want to find a way to survive you have to do something that is good for other people not only for yourself yeah that's like what i do with the podcast is i want to give that And with my company, uh, Swedish Alist, I want to, is like takeaway concerts, so you can order a concert to your home or wherever you want. I go to a lot of fantastic places like Mushrooms Museum, uh, boats, gardens, churches, everywhere. So it's very fantastic for me also as a musician to practice in all these different venues. But I want to give them something. And a lot of times it's people with five dogs. It's not easy for them to go to a concert. But if I go to their home, I can give them a concert. Not two hours concert, but 40 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour, you know, in their home. So they don't have to travel anywhere. They have a dog sitter or a lot of my customers are people in their 30s, 35. They have children. So maybe they cannot leave the, sh- the child at home alone or they don't have a babysitter. But the child can run around when I play the concert is no problem or they lie. Mostly they get very f- fascinated and like, oh, the shallow. So, I mean, it's to open up opportunities. I was also playing for a guy who was handicapped. He was in a wheelchair and he was like my age. He was maybe one or two years older than me. For him, it's like a big project going to the concert. It's like, okay, we have to hire a special uh, car to take my wheelchair. Then we have to travel for two hours to the city because it's uh, not a close uh, concert venue. And for him, it was just perfect. I could come to his home, play for him and, you know, no troubles for him. So that's what I give other people, convenience of having music in their home. Also without a uh, status, you know, because when you go to a concert, sometimes there is a lot of business going on, you know. People go in there to show themselves, to get business contact, Then they leave in the pause because they don't really care about the music. They just want to go there to have a status of, yeah, I'm listening to classical music. And then they leave and I'm like, okay, w- why? And some people don't know where to clap, you know in the between the pieces in the classical music you you don't clap so there may be like three or four pieces so the first piece is a preludium and then it's a courant or something else if it's a Bach suite. and between there you don't clap and people don't know that because how would you know that <laughs> because classical it's like these unwritten rules go into the concerts and i take that away i mean i can teach them that when i'm there for a home concert i will teach you how to go to a concert but It's also good for me because then they know me and then they're like, that's my chalice. So next time I have an official concert in the theater, they will go and listen because it's like, I know her. She's nice. She will not uh, make it uh, embarrassing for me if I can't, uh, if I don't clap in the same, in the right place. or if I don't wear a costume or if I go there in my sneakers and my jeans, she doesn't care because they know that I don't care. They can go in the pyjama if they want. (laughs) I don't care. I would like to go in my pyjama sometimes and play concert. (laughs) Because it's super comfortable.
2: And is there something that you you do to stay comfortable? Because pyjamas don't work. Yeah, well, I got a
1: request actually when I was playing. um, I did a theater freelance job with the Theater of Liege. And it was La Voix Humaine. And from the beginning... In this project they wanted uh, six men to play a six, a six set with the woman on the stage, and they wanted the men to, to sit in the pyjamas on the stage. Uh, but then uh, the teacher said, Yeah, we don't have six men to play, so uh, you can get six women who are really good musicians for this project, or yeah, that's it, that's what we have uh, to offer you. So they took the offer of six girls, and then they say, Yeah, you're gonna sit in the pyjamas. But then in the end they changed totally, so we didn't sit in the pyjama. We sat in like really beautiful uh, dresses with like high uh, polo shirts. So we looked a little bit like geishas with the polo shirt. But it was close one time that I was sitting in the pyjama, but it was a dream. Maybe one day I will sit in the pyjama. You can have like these sleeping concerts, you know, where people go to sleep and you play this like calm music, like meditation concerts, but uh, not yet. Or maybe I have to sleep in my dresses, in my beautiful dresses. That's also, then that would be my pyjama. Not very comfortable. What was the question again? The
2: question was, uh, what do you do in preparation for a concert or during a concert to stay relaxed? Okay, well, I do a lot of things then because I'm a mental trainer, as you remember. So I have
1: a a very good plan on what to do. So first of all, like my recipe is my recipe. For me, everyone has to make their own recipe. Or cocktail, as I say it to my students. So my cocktail, it starts with the practicing, of course. So what I do is that uh, when I practice, I do the method of the golf pros in Sweden. There is uh, this golf bro called Annika Herrenstam. She uh, had, had a mental coach called Shell Enhager. And he made of this uh, method and it's awesome. Because it's based on science, so it doesn't matter if you believe in it or not, you can become really good even if you don't believe in it because it's not a religion, it's science. What I do, I practice, I play something. Okay, I'm gonna make an example, not what I do, but what a scenario could be like a musician practicing, like la 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 la, la plays really good, you know? Maybe let's say hide and D for shallow, super difficult and like da da di da di da da, super good. And afterwards, it's like, yeah, I'm a cellist Of course, I play good professional and everything yeah that's the mentality of them is like yeah happened second concert the second take of the recording or whatever plays really bad out of tune not good at all technique isn't sitting the bow in the left right hand disaster what do they do fuck so they put their hand to their forehead and they like punish themselves like no it was not good didn't play good they say i'm shit i play shit why do i play shit i cannot play the shadow these kind of thoughts in their head third time third take they're going to play. Do you think they will play good or bad? First time was good, second time was bad. Which one do you think will win the
2: third time? I think it depends on whether or not they could get over the thought of being bad because of the second time. Yes. If you can get over it, I think you will play good because you learned from it. And if you can't get over it, then you'll play very bad because you feel bad about yourself.
1: Mhm. Yes, it's a good uh, good corn. So what I would say is the third time will be bad. Why? Because of how the memory works. So the memory works like this. If I would say to you, can you remember something from when you were in your childhood? Can you remember one memory, like when you were a child, good or bad? Uh, yes. Yes. And is there a strong feeling in this memory? You were very happy or very angry or something good happened and you feel felt something.
2: Yes, I get it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... How the memory works is that your brain will be like, okay, is this important or not? It goes to the feelings. If you involve a lot of bad feelings into the second time, when you do something really bad, the brain will think, oh my God, this is so important. She got a big reaction here. This we have to remember. So then it will save that. So when you're involving a lot of bad feelings or movements, like putting your head Uh, your arm on your head and saying fuck when you play bad then that is what your memory is like save button save i'm gonna save this because it's important she's involving a lot of feelings in this uh, procedure we have to remember so she will do the bad thing uh, once again because that the brain will think that that is important and that is a mechanism that saved us uh, in the past, you know? Because if there was a lion and you got scratched, that could save you the next time you walk by that lion. Because you will think, oh no, I have to be careful. But in our music scape, that makes us really, it's a recipe of being failure. Because you will do failure again and again and again every time you involve in the failure. So, what I have to do when I practice is every time I do something good, I have to involve good feelings into the good thing. So I practice like, yes, you know, I do a, a winning pose. I suppose you cannot see me in the radio, but if you have seen like all these athletes, when they jump and they succeed, they are like, Wah! you know, they do something. There is this picture of Slatan Ibrahimovic, is like lifting his arm and like, yeah, you know, uh, he's a football player uh, from Sweden, Slatan, And I mean... You have to do something like this. So I do that. I play and then yes. So I smile because when you smile, you give endorphins to your body. So it's a good feeling involving something physical. That's what I do every time I play. So I look like a crazy person when I practice practically because every time doesn't matter how simple it is. I'm always sharing seeing every little thing I can do that is good. And that makes positive uh, memories. So I'm putting in the bank positive stuff. So yeah, I could play this long note perfectly. Yes, yes. And then I have a little recipe here for remembering that. And then when the concert come, what do I do? yes before i play because then the brain is like okay yes when she did yes what did she do last time she did a yes oh she was practicing and she did this good thing so then it's like a prophecy you're making a prophecy of success and your body will react the way you want no matter what you think or feel because that's just the way it's learned like when you smell food and you get saliva in your mouth you know because you have these memories to it so that's what i do but then Of course, I do more things. So right before the concert, I have this little strategy. So everything you do that makes you nervous, do the opposite. So if I want to walk around in the room because I feel nervous, I sit down. Opposite. Because if you're really good at making yourself nervous you're really good at not making you nervous as well because it's just the same procedure, just the opposite, which is genius. Is it great or is it fantastic, you know? So everyone who is nervous out there, just do the opposite and then you will not be nervous. How great is it? So, and I also have like three pictures that are funny, like funny stories from my life. i think of exactly the moment six seconds before i start playing so i'm happy because to be honest a lot of people they're like yeah if i just can play good in this exam or if i just can do this good then i will be happy what if you are happy before do you think you will play better if you are happy before or not do you play better when you are happy for myself the answer is yes so my mission is to make myself happy so i do what makes me happy and if that's playing playstation i would do that but I don't like PlayStation. So what I do, I kiss my rabbit, I sleep, I shower, I warm up a little bit and I think about this funny thing. I do a jazz one and I like to talk before my concert a lot. So I make a little small talk before I start playing with the audience because for me it feels better if I have a relationship with them because they will forgive me if they know me a little bit. If I do a mistake, they will say, yeah, but you know, this that joke in the beginning was funny. You know, she's a funny girl. It doesn't matter. But if they don't know you, they will be like, oh, you made a mistake. <laughs> I don't forgive them. Who is this person you're playing and, you know, they don't know you. So they will be hard on you. You have to handle yourself after the kind of mood you are. But the trick is to make you in a good mood and find out where do I play the best. Do I play better when I'm tired? Make yourself tired before the concert. Do you play better when you are totally, like, energetic, drinking five cups of coffee? Do that then, you know. You have to find your own recipe.
2: It's pretty clear. And I think it's a beautiful idea of going back to happy ideas and happy memories to get into a better mood. I want to, I'd like to go back to what you said before about uh, your work as a Swedish cellist. Mm-hmm. I'm very, uh, very curious about how, you, how people reach out to you. How do they find you? Well, from the beginning... Like what it started like, it was like,
1: I was studying here in Maastricht and it was expensive because it is an expensive city. And I didn't want to work in the restaurant because I thought yeah, the salaries here in the restaurant is like, it's, I'm Swedish, so I have a certain standard of salary. And for me it was like, what? 10 euros an hour? I earned that when I was like 16. So I'm not going to do that. I'm like, no, I had to find a way to earn money. Because I needed, I didn't need it, but I wanted it. And then I also wanted to play concerts because I was nervous a lot. And I didn't have a lot of experience of concerts. So I thought, okay, I have to combine. I want to play the shallow. I want to do concerts and I want to earn money. How can I do it? And then I thought about all this. Actually, it was a summer and I was out in Sweden on the, the West Coast. And I played for, you know, these uh, rockabilly guys quite cool with this old Cadillac cars and stuff. And they were like, oh, you're a cellist? And I'm like, yeah, play something. I never had a cello. So then I played for them and they loved it. And it's totally not the audience that you imagine would love classical music, but they loved it. And I was like, I think people love everything that they know. So I'm going to make people know classical music. So then I started to play uh, for people and I said, okay, how would I do this? i to make a company. So I started and my, my teacher was supporting me. She, at that time it was uh, Ursula Smith. And she said, ''Oh, Petrella, you can do it. It's nice. Go and get some concerts.'' And I was like, ''Okay.'' So I asked the agent here, because in Master Conservatorium, they have something really good. They have an agent who is helping the students to get concerts, like wedding concerts and small, small stuff, but it's really good. So I booked a meeting with the, the agent that at the time was Peter Powell. And he said, ''Okay, you want to do this? Do it. What is your plan?'' And then he just made me had, like write down my thoughts and have a plan. And then I thought, okay, I have to reach the people. How do I reach the people? So they did a project called The Christmas Present of the Year is Socialist. You could buy me as a present to your family for Christmas. So I tried this in Sweden because I thought, okay, I'm going to do it in my own language, in my own home. People doesn't care if it goes bad, you know, shit happens. And my mother was like, oh, patronella, maybe you should take some extra work, you know, working in the hospital. Because I worked a lot in the hospital as a caregiver to people who was dying, like palliative care. And I also helped people with Alzheimer's a lot. So I worked with them a lot. And she said, you should take some extra work there again, you know. And I said, no, no, mama. I would do these concerts and it's going to get, it's going to be big, you know? And she's like, no, but, um, you know, maybe she's always like trying to take care of me in the best way. But then I called the newspaper and said, hi, I have this project. I'm going to do concerts in people's home. Do you want to write about me? And they say, yeah, okay, you can come in on Tuesday. And they took a photo and we... I think we started in end of October, November to broadcast it and people were booking me all the time and then another newspaper called me up and like, hi, I heard about your project. It's amazing. It's really funny. I was like, yeah, do you want me to write about it? Yeah, you know, and then called the radio, say, hi, I have this project. Do you want to do something? They said, okay, you can come in. Can you play live? I said, yes, I will do it. Super nervous, played live, got a lot of concert. I got 19 concerts in two weeks in Sweden. During Christmas, it was a perfect opportunity because people don't know what to buy their grandma or buy the people have everything, you know, because people have all the material thing and people will buy music. People don't think that they will buy music, but they will because you have to offer it to them. You have to say, I have this project. Do you want to pay it? And in the beginning, I was super cheap because all the people said that it will never go through. So I was like, OK, I will be super cheap. But people were paying me more. They say, oh, it's too cheap. I will give you a double. Because they had the money and they didn't mind and some people booked me like three concerts, like, I want you for New Year, I want you for concert, do you come next year? And it was a big hit. So then I did the uh, transpose it to the Netherlands. So then it becomes takeaway concert. I called the Limburger, said hi, do you I didn't call them, actually, I sent them an email. I say hi after the carnival, because it's dry out, you know. They don't have so much to write about after the carnival, it's kind of, you know, the mustrich blues going on. And I say, hi, I have this project. Do you want to write about me? Translated it to Dutch though, before. So write in their own language, if you want to talk to them, to the internationals. And the guy who translated it to Dutch, he was like working here for Jules. He did it for free. Like he has translated Super helpful. Uh, Sydney is his name. Super Great. So, I mean, I was just bold, you know, and sometimes I did that and I got nothing. But this time I got everything I wanted and people still call me and say, hi, uh, I saw you in the newspaper and it was like four years ago. So, I mean, or maybe three years. So people remember things that they think is a good idea. And then I went to places and asked them if they want to have a concert. Like, hi, I have this concert. Do you want to buy it? And people say yes, a lot of times. So that's one way that I reach out to people because I know that a certain audience is really good for newspaper. But I also like paid advertising in the newspaper got nothing, nothing. So I mean, paid advertisement in newspaper, I would not recommend because people don't really look at it. So articles in newspapers are good. And then I have my Facebook page where people follow it because they have concerts and yeah. They find me to Facebook a lot. A lot of people write to me to Facebook. Now it's a little bit crazy because I had like 250 friend requests every day. So I don't know what happened with my Facebook. So I had to like calm it down a little bit. But I mean, it's, it's a good thing also. But it was very crazy over like night. It became like 250 every day. And I was like, OK, I cannot handle this kind of request. But I think Facebook is a good tool if you want to be authentic, authentic on Facebook, you know, write about you as a person and be honest. If it goes to shit, if you do something that goes really bad, tell them also about the bad things, because people will almost like support you more if they know that you are human and people don't really cannot relate to a person who is always happy and successful, you know. I mean, I also wrote about things that is not about music, like sometimes I post about my rabbit, Ralph because I mean, he's so cute and he's amazing and he does so much fun stuff. So I sometimes I post about that because he's a part of me. So a Swedish cellist is me. It's more than it's not only my work. It's not only my shadow. It's me and what I'm doing. I think you should be yourself and be honest to the social media. And if you're not prepared to share, you you can do other things also. (laughs) I mean, you have to be open. I'm very open and maybe that's too open in some (laughs) situations. But I, I didn't have bad experience yet. Like I have some friends who have like stalkers and people writing mean things as well. So you have to be a little bit careful. But so far I only had like one person writing bad stuff to me and I didn't know him and he only did it once. So... It was fine. But I mean, there is a lot of internet hate also, but I mean, I'm not provoking enough maybe, or I'm not big enough for people to hate me yet. (laughs) Or maybe they are hating me in the silence, which I'm grateful for. Thank you for hating me in silence. (laughs) But Instagram is also very fun. You can tag a lot of people and going around. Takes a lot of time, everything on social media though. You can publish, like divide it. It's important to have a good picture. I have a really good photographer, Xenon Fernandez, He's a pianist and he makes really good photos. It's one of the reasons was that I got so many friend requests was because one of his photos, a really nice photo though. It depends on what you want to do. I want to have concert and I want people to feel that they have a person that they can turn to when they want to know about classical music and they want... I mean, I don't know only play classical music. I play jazz cello a lot also, and I sing and play the cello. That's like mostly my thing. Sing and play the cello. I'm not an educated singer. I mean, that's what I'm getting most publication for, what I do singing with the cello. It's not my classical education. Because there is one million of classical cellos, so it's not really interesting for the audience. But because I can sing and play the cello, people are interested because it's something else and I do this kind of Swedish folk music and I improvise jazz over it so it's something new and fresh and sometimes I take some torch songs and I make make it up and mix it to my own I also play classical music in between but not only but you can I think it's important to do what you think is fun because then it will be good because I like to sing it's not because I'm a good singer people like it because I'm, I'm not a good singer in that way but I do work with another sh- uh, a professional singer, opera singer, uh, Egita Helene. She's an uh, opera singer here, in Maastricht and we have a duo. So we do some projects together, and then we have an opera project, and we also like do folk music, and yeah, we experiment a little bit between everything. So I mean, you can always hire in someone who is better than you um, <laughs> in in some fields. I also play a little bit with the jazz bassist called Ildu Nadja, He's from Mozambique, and he's a really good jazz player, much better than me. So then I can learn from him a little bit. So team up with someone who's better than you or is good at something that you are bad with. I used to say that you should always find the person who is so good at something that this provokes you, because then you will be good. It's also a thing that people do with training. They go and they team up with a fat body who never trains and say, let's go training together. We never train. Let's train together. It's like the worst idea ever, because then you have two people who is not training, who is not good at training, who is trying to train together. It's not, never going to happen. You have to go to a person who th- finds training easy. You have to go to the person who trains every week, who is like... Like, how do you go to the gym? And the person is like, yeah, I just go. How can you run so much? Like, yeah, I just run. Team up with that person for that project. You know, don't team up with people who has the same weaknesses as you because it will be doubled. <laughs> you don't want that because then you have more problems than solutions.
2: Do you have a plan or strategy about uh, how you use social media? Yeah, I don't post so much
1: in the weekends because people are busy. My podcast, I post I post on like Saturday evening or Sunday morning because I imagine that Sunday morning then people have one day that they are off and not so much happening on Sunday, that they have time to listen to it if they want. And then Monday is always like a cold day. People go to work. So Monday and Tuesday are very good days to post because then people are bored at work normally. I hope they are not bored at work, but, you know, sometimes they have a lunch break or, you know, people are more active then. Tuesday is a really good day. I try to do that and be consistent, you know. People are afraid that they will be bothering people if they post too often. But I think, like, the people that I follow that are really successful, they post something every day and they don't annoy me. Because if you like someone, it's not annoying when they post. It's actually, oh, it's nice. Now this post came. Oh, it's nice, you know. So if it's a good post, I think you can post every day. I don't do it because I don't have time. But it's also, if you want other people to be interested in you, you have to be interested in other people. <laughs> Genuine interested. So that's also how you make connections. If you do something just because you have want to have something from them, it's not really nice. Uh, it has to be a win-win situation. In business, it's super important. Win-win. And if someone is going to go down, let it be you. If I'm gonna... If someone's gonna suffer, made it you. Because they will remember that next time. So always win-win situation is something I learned from uh, Peter Stoodal, And He's like a guy who owns a big hotel chain in Norway. He's one of the richest people there. And I read his book about business. And it's always like win-win situation. If you can't make it a win-win situation, make the other party feel like they are winning. So for example, if we w- I will hire you for a concert, and you said, I want 200 euros or you say I want 300 euros that's what professional singers at least should get according to the official pet webpage of um, tariffs in the Netherlands 350 even so say you say 350 and then i say oh shit man yeah i think you really were worth it but the people in charge of the budget they are not so convinced I believe in you. I think 350 is the least that you should get, but they are not so they're not so sure. Like, how can I convince them that you're a really good singer and that they really want to hire you? Do you have something that I can take back to them? What can we give? So maybe maybe you can give me instead of half an hour, you will do one hour. I mean, because one hour will fit very good with our uh, project program for this event. Could you do one hour for 350? So maybe like that's a way of communication and making a good deal. So in the end, I get one hour for 350 instead of paying 650 or 700 because maybe your price was 350 for half an hour. But now I got one hour for it. So actually I got more for the price of one. So that's a win deal for me. But you feel like you are winning because you got your price that you ask. I don't know, like this, you have to deal and sneak around, you know, but you have to be strong, say your price and be silent, you know. That's what I do. I send the email and I'm silent because I feel very anxious sometimes when I charge my money. I'm like, okay. And then I'm silent because you don't know what they're going to say and what their budget is. So you just have to be silent and you should always charge something that you feel that, okay this I would be feel comfortable with doing because I mean, I went to the conservatorium for seven years it's the same amount as the surgeon have in the hospital I'm not saving life in that sense but I'm saving souls from despair because that's what music do so that's a little bit of business advice, you know win-win situation you can always like bargain, make it go you can always discuss with people, you know they will surprise you sometimes they're really good at it so then you have to stick to the plan stick to the plan, make a plan and stick to it My experience is if people can't get it, they want it even more because it's like that. You know, if you see this beautiful jacket that's very expensive, you will pay for it and people will pay for stuff. They buy so much shit. You cannot imagine how much like during the summer when André Rio is playing in Maastricht. I think the shops here, they got the profit of like nine million, more than nine million. I'm like, what the, you know, people have money. It's just to make the product good enough and offer them something. The shops go around, not because they have the best project, but because they are offering the best. They offer you, and then people want to buy. What do you
2: mean exactly by give your price and be silent?
1: Because a lot of people say, I want uh, 200 euros, and then they're like, but if you can't, if you can't pay, maybe, maybe I will go down. You know, they always have these excuses for their prices. So make your price and be silent, you know, make them, make them decide. Sometimes they will say, okay, that's, that's too expensive to me. Then maybe you will say, okay, what do you afford You can thumb on the price if you feel that it's right, but if it doesn't feel right, then you shouldn't do it. Because a lot of people, like, sometimes I played for really, really, really rich people. Like, you cannot imagine. They had so much money that it was crazy. But they didn't want to pay me anything. They didn't even want to pay me the money for getting a piano to the location. Uh, and I had the piano and everything. I just needed, what was it, like 10 euros for the cab to get the piano there. And they didn't want to pay it. But they had like the flower arrangements and the kind of money they put on, on everything else was so high. So then I said, OK, but you didn't put in your budget the money for a musician. So why should I? It was a disaster gig. It was one of my worst gig because they didn't pay me anything they were very sneaky with the price and i didn't ask them a lot and still they just put a lot of things like their one bottle of their wine was more than i charged for them for that concert and that was just not it was not fair and I felt really shitty afterwards and i said okay never again i i don't make people use me like this and they didn't listen to me and it was a very bad experience so i mean in that case i will charge more because if people don't care about what i do they don't treat me well then it's not worth it. Then I, then I need something for waiting one hour until I play, and you know. But if people are treating me good, they had their things checked, then it's no problem. I come, I go and I play, it's perfect. Then it's a di- different situation. And I mean, I can play for charity. Like if it's a charity concert, you know, it's different. But... Someone is always paying the price. It cannot always be you paying the price. It's like when you buy a very cheap jacket. Someone is paying that price for that very cheap jacket. How can it be only 25 euros, you know? Someone paid the price, but it was not you. Because I'm always asking my guests how they charge money, but no one really have a good answer to it. So I'm like searching for the good answers well, as well myself.
2: Uh, We already talked a little bit about your social media uh, strategy, but you also said that from one day to another, you had 250 friend requests a day. Mm -hmm. What do you think caused that? I think it was, um, I'm a member of a lot of groups in Facebook. So I
1: guess, like I had a lot of random requests during the years. And if there is another Shalice requesting me, I was like, okay, we can be friends. We play the shallow, you know, shallow buddies. So at some point, I guess I have such a big network that they know each other and then maybe I come up in the flow maybe it was some like thing on the Facebook that they decided now we're gonna crush Petronella with a lot of friends but I think also it was because of the picture that Senen took he took a picture of me in a mask for the carnival he made like a mask uh, thing for a picture and it was a very beautiful picture so a lot of people requested me And it was a lot of men. So, I mean, it was a little bit like, uh, I don't know. I didn't know how to react. And it was a bit uncomfortable in the beginning because I was like, what is this, you know? Is this creepy man requesting me or is they genuinely interested in me? So I just pushed them to my official page and they can like it and, you know, That's why I have official pages and I mostly post the same thing. So they should be there. (laughs) That was my idea. But people don't really, they want to be with me, you know, they want to know me. They want to be with me like too much. Sometimes you have to put the limit like, okay, I cannot have 50 people writing me every day who just want to ask me how I am because I'm not a dating service. I'm not the escort. Which only like one person ever mistook my concerts for an escort. It was fun. It's like, yeah, you can come to my house and we can eat dinner. I was like, no, (laughs) that's not what I do. I like food. I can eat, but I will play and it will be like, you know, I'm not an escort. So I don't know. I have no idea why there was so many. Maybe it was because at some point I got this big like friend collective. Maybe it was because of all the of all the groups Maybe it's because of the podcast, because people share things, but also because the picture. People liked it and they shared it in a lot of other people. I cannot control what people share on my page. So it gets like crazy. So I think it's thanks to CNN. I mean, it was a lot of musicians amongst them. So I think not everyone was genuine, but a lot of them. Not maybe it was some fake accounts. I don't know, but it's still going on. But now I changed my uh, Facebook so they can like my page instead of me getting so many requests so I only get requests from people that I know which is enough but I think yeah good pictures and I think I la- I-, I wrote something I wrote what did I wrote yeah 50 shades of shallow and then it was me with a mask maybe it was the sex approach or something I don't know sex sells really good but I mean you have to think about what kind of followers you want as well because you can have a lot of them who is not really genuine or interested or you can have few of them who are the good ones, and to get the good ones, you have to target person. Like normally, you write yourself like limiting is that because people want to reach everyone, but sometimes I'm like, okay, I want this person. I want Carl Svensson, 45 years. He has two kids and a wife, he has grandparents, and he likes, he has a lot of social, he has a lot of friends, he's very social. That's my target for this post. I want him to like it. I put it like a person that I'm talking to. And then I will have more people from other target groups as well. You know, limiting the targeting is very good. And there is all this information about when to post and where the cyber world is like good on Google ads. And you can find all the statistics on Facebook and all this stuff, it will come up. But also like boost. If you're going to boost a post on Facebook, boost the good ones that you have a lot of likes on. Because sometimes people boost the bad posts that they did. Because, oh, I didn't have so many likes on this post. I'm going to boost it. And I'm like, no, but it's not a good post. Boost the one that you have a lot of likes on. Then it will be more viral.
2: Do you think that uh, internet uh, marketing and the social media that you use uh, helped you to uh, build a larger professional le- network? Yes, I think.
1: I know. It did. I even have a uh, like, festival in France, like some jazz festival writing to me wanted by Facebook, wanted me to come and play. And I was like, what? They write me on Facebook? But yeah, they use a lot of Facebook these days. So I think it's really good with Facebook because you exist. People can find everything about you and you can find them. You can get inspired by other people you can follow people that inspire you like i follow this one of the um, Swedish champion in boxing and he's training a lot. And he has a, like, I think he has 13 companies and he's a dyslexic person who ha- have written like 12 books. And he's like this amazing person who is like really working hard. He's half Italian and half Swedish and he's used to be a champion in boxing. And now he's like 50 years. And every day, 5.30, he's posting that he's out running and training yoga and doing all this stuff. And it just inspires me so much because I'm like, he's 50 He's 50 and he's out running 5.30. I'm 28. I should go now, you know, go out and run, move my fat ass, you know. This inspires me a lot. So I have people that inspires me a lot. I also have other mental trainers that inspires me. the write texts. So, I mean, people say that, oh, it's so stressful because my Facebook is so stressing me because everyone is so happy all the time. i was like, yeah, but maybe you like the wrong people then. Like people or pages that inspires you, that provokes you. Don't like the ones that makes you feel bad. I mean, you can do uh, what you want with it, but don't lose yourself in it also. I mean, it's just cyber world. Real world beats everything.
2: And is there something you already talked about uh, boosting the right pages and uh, making sure that you like things that are, that you get to see things, pages that you like and that are inspiring? Are there any other things or common mistakes maybe that you see in social media usage or uh, media strategies from colleagues and musicians? Yes, I think our mistakes, it's just maybe
1: opinions that I don't think... Like a lot of people, they only post when they are happy, for example. And yeah, I mean, it's nice that they are happy. It makes me happy also, like, to see that they are feeling good. But it's also nice to see like, okay, now I did something really bad, you know? Really shitty, help me, you know? It's also, it makes it more, you reach more spectrum of the feelings. Maybe provoke a little bit and, because it's about being authentic, you know? And it's not authentic just to be happy all the time, I mean... What are you eating? (laughs) I want to eat that if you're always happy. And then a lot of, I see a lot of girls, they have this like me and my instrument, super sexy pictures. And they have a lot of likes and a lot of followers, but they are like selling sex. They are not selling the product. Or maybe it's too commercial for me because everyone can get their like, picture like if they show some booty and some breasts, you know. But I mean, I don't want to be liked because I'm good looking or something like that. You know, it's not who I am. I mean, I like to be liked for more than just my looks. But a lot of people, they use like their looks. I'm not saying that just because you look good, you cannot take pictures. But I mean, it gets very commercial, and you know, so then you feel bad, you know, if there's this super skinny people or like people in bikinis playing the shadow, and I'm like, what is this? You know, I'm like, why do you have a bikini on you when you play the shadow? It's like really uncomfortable because I tried to play with that when it's really hot here, Mars, it's like 40 degrees, and I'm practicing. And I don't ha- barely have any clothes on me, but it's not practical, and it's like, why are you having a bikini on you when you play? The shallow and I, I don't know it's like i don't see the point because it's not uh, or like people dressing out like a different sexy it become like a porno a little bit you know a porno movie because it's like me in the shallow in a porno sexy way i'm not having sex but i could you know it's a little bit like that feeling and i'm like mm? i don't know i don't know what i feel about that but i for me i that's not the way they can do it i mean there's room for everyone in the world so i mean everything everything is allowed to be there i guess that's also beauty you know there's a space for everyone but personally i don't like that
2: can you give an example of a not happy post on Facebook that is working? Mm. Because I also see some people just writing down really long complaints and I don't oh, think yeah. that's going
1: to work. Yeah, going between the whining and the uh, happy place. Well, a not happy post is like, I wrote yesterday, help, I lost my Elgar Schelo score, you know, help, you know, it wasn't, it's not so happy. Uh, but it's asking for help a lot of people are super friendly and they help me and then i mean not so happy posts could be like today i didn't get this audition did audition today didn't work okay blah you know, let's take it another time or like I also do like I did a lot when I was applying to the, con- the conservatoriums. I uh, applied for 15 times to the conservatorium because I had a lot of problems with my nerves. I mean, that's also why I'm a mental trainer now, because I had to work with myself so much with it. And I kind of finally made it through to the other side because I was one of these person who had so much problems with it. And I didn't understand, like, what should I do? And I was so confused. But I made it to the other side. So after, like, really making a mess of 15 auditions, I was accepted to the conservatorium. So it was big. But I, I posted a lot. Every time I failed, I was like, failed again, you know. I was really open with what's happened. Because, I mean, people are going to ask me anyway. So I was like, failed again. <laughs> I did a lot of this. People were super supporting. I mean, I post about my life, what I do. And sometimes it goes really well. And I mean... I also post like, okay, like the other day I was working because I have also other work. So I'm not only working as a musician because I'm building my company. So all the money that I earn with my music, I'm investing in my company to make it bigger, to actually be able to only work with music. So I have a little small job on the side. And the other day it was like uh, raining shit from the ceiling. (laughs)
2: What, uh, what other job
1: do you have? I work in the clothes shop mm-hmm. right now. I had uh, millions of other jobs. I've been a nurse in the hospital. I worked as a cleaner. I had a lot of different works, which is beautiful because I understand other people also. So if you want to make a market uh, uh, reviews, you should go and uh, work with other things. But I think a lot of musicians do that because in the beginning it's very hard to just, bam, I have a good job. So you have to work your way up. And especially if you want to be an entrepreneur like me takes time and you have to be careful where you invest your money and don't always take all your money that you earn and put it to buying stuff like food and you know this easy stuff that comes and go take your money like I always save a lot of the present of what I earn to the company to buy good equipment to buy mics to do advertising all this other stuff folders uh, business cards save money for that to take photos because when you need those kind of stuff you have to have a budget for it And you have to save up in order to invest. So invest your money in things that gives you something for the company. You know, that's how you're going to grow. If you invest it in clothes and and food that kind of stuff try to get that from somewhere else that's what I do at least and it works quite good so anyway it was raining shit from the ceiling Mm -hmm. Uh, water came from the pipes and it was like yellow and we were like saving all the clothes and I was like oh my god and the day before I was playing in this beautiful castle you know with my beautiful dress and people were like oh my god you're such a talent you're amazing and I was like oh yes 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 this is amazing and then the next day I have shit all over my clothes so I mean perspective I'm a cellist and I get invited to this kind of secret places of society of the richest people everywhere but in the same way i'm i had all the other works that no one wants so i was cleaning like there was one girl when i was working in sweden and she had cancer she was dying the week before she was in one of my concerts when i was playing and then she's like oh my god the star status and then the next week i was uh, cleaning and showering her And she had a lot of uh, medicines and a lot of nasty stuff going on, you know. And she's like, it's funny, you know. Last week you were playing concert for me and now you're wiping my ass. But that's just like things that I did. Like I'm not only a star. I'm also a musician has to survive. I'm not even sure that I'm a star. I think that's important to be like down to earth. Like my parents, uh, my family doesn't play music at all. So when I come home, they're like, oh... They call my shallow the wooden box. (laughs) Like, oh, you're gonna play on the shallow box, on the on the box again, and I'm like, yeah, you know. They don't care. They don't love me for being a shellist. So they love me for the human I am. And then I am Michelle' is like on the side of that, and they think it's nice, but it's nothing special. and I mean they had to live through so much emotional crisis for me and you know, my mother was a like, patronada. people are starving in the world and you are lying on the floor here just because a concert went bad. you know what is wrong with you? So it's very nice for me to have my family around me and no expectations and they are like, okay, for them it's just normal. Like they were like, Oh, so you finally got a real job when I work in the shop, you know. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck you know? <laughs> so it's perspective for different people and I think it's important to understand people if you want to work with them. I think that's also something the conservatorium could work on, having courses in working together with other people. Because obviously they have problems with working together also in, in the institution. Because they fight a lot, teachers and that i seen in all the conservatorium. they fight between each other and they teach the students not to fight like to be together because there's a lot of great musicians out there so many but they are not working together because they can't. They don't have the tools for how to work with other people. So it's really important to give them those tools because they exist. You know, psychology and science is there, but we are not using or applying it in the music world. So if we just combine science with music a little bit, we will benefit so much from it. And I'm also trying to teach my mental training students that like how to work with other people mm-hmm. because there are a different kind of personalities. Uh, there is this uh, DIC disk called disk in Swedish. D I am dyslexic. So I have to think of now. So it's D I S C. study. is color psychology. So they put different personalities to different colors. And if you know a little bit about that, you can also do a test on the internet and find out what kind of personality you have. No one is completely only one color. But then you can find out why people are acting the way they do, why they speak the way, the way they do. Because it's a little bit like horoscope, but everything is based on uh, science instead of the stuff. So it's very useful. And I use this a lot when I meet people, how I speak with them and how I receive what they say to me. Because not everything means the same thing from every person. And this saying, like, treat everyone else that you how yourself would like to be treated. I don't believe in it because everyone. Else, if I would treat everyone that like I treat myself people hate me a lot <laughs> and they did you know because I'm really I'm working hard I can take when people criticize me very hard but if I do that to another person who is not the same they will be angry at me and like why are you so mean? So you know and you have to learn how to treat people good so I am really recommend that people to do this D-I-S-E test do it read about it it's a really good book in swedish called uh, surrounded by the idiots uh, you can uh, you can read that if you are swedish it will come in english soon you can have a lookout for it in the english speakers but i mean this kind of basic stuff that we don't do that will make the difference because it's connections and if you can talk with all kinds of people you have very good chance of succeeding i think because in the end, people will choose the people they know. Even if there is audition behind the screens and everything, there's a lot of, you know, contacts. And, oh know, we know this person, he's been a freelancer for a long time. We know him, he's good or her. Let's take that one.
2: You talked about the way that many conservatory students are in a competition with each other instead of instead of cooperating Mm. what do you do to keep standing when people are being poisonous towards each other mostly i go to the source why are they like that why are they reacting like
1: that sometimes it's like an old 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 like fight so people have forgotten how it started you know they just hate each other for no reason. They just—they don't remember how it started, and then it's really hard to change it. But then you have to like question everything. There's this study with apes, you know, who uh, every time they take a banana, they put cold water on it, and then they take away the cold water, and people and the monkeys still don't take the banana, even though they could. So then they take a new monkey in, and then the monk, uh, the new monkey will take the banana, but then the other monkeys we say no don't take the banana something bad will happen but the new monkey doesn't understand that but because the general gathering pack of the apes say don't take the banana he doesn't take it so then you have to like take out half of the group that saw the water falling in order you have to have half new uh, uh, apes and half old apes to uh, take the bananas because you have to have a majority who says yeah but you can take the banana but it can go through generations that these apes who saw the First, the apes see, okay, I get water if I take the banana. Then it can go like two generations of ape still don't take the banana, even though no one of these apes got the water on them. It's just talking, you know, this is impossible. Talking, this is impossible. And people do the same, the same with people. They don't know why they do things. It's just no, we never did it. We just don't do it. So many times in the classical world, I ask the question and I say, okay, but why don't we play like this? No. It's not the way. We just don't do it. And I'm like thinking about this ape and I'm like, I'm not going to be that ape. I'm just going to do the opposite. Like why if you do things that everyone else do, you will become the same as everyone else. If you want to succeed with something, you have to do something that no one else is doing. And if you want to do extraordinary things, you have to uh, actually act on the extraordinary thing. So if I want to be special and unique, I have to do things that are special and unique. So you have to do things that no one else does. When people fight, it's because they don't feel comfortable themselves. No one who is happy fight. i never seen a happy person fight. They're mostly like, okay, we disagree. We agree to disagree and then it's fine, you know? And if you see really good musicians, they... Most of them don't act like shit or if they do like that, they also have they have problems. You know, I never saw like sick people and people who don't feel well, they are really capable of treating you bad. But if you know the cause of it, you can easily handle it. I mean, you have to work with yourself. And also like jealousy is a big thing. A lot of people are super jealous. And uh, my friend, she said to me, yeah, if they are jealous, they can just do the same, I say. She said, you can do the same. Why are you jealous at me? You can just do the same. You do the same as me. But I mean, it's very easy to say, but it's hard to do because a lot of people are jealous at you. People will hate you because it goes good for you, because it's something in themselves that is not complete. So I mean, jealousy is a really good sign that you should... Work with yourself. I also feel jealous sometimes, but then I'm like, okay, why do I feel jealous? Because I feel jealous, I'm going to say to this person that they are really good. I'm going to say to that person, oh my God, you are so good. I'm really jealous at you. Because at least my jealousy can give something good to someone else. Because I think it's important to try to say things that you feel. Like if I feel jealous, say that to the person. Because then at least the jealousy will give something good to that person. And maybe that person will say, oh my god, you're jealous at me? Oh my god, I'm jealous at you because you're also good at that. So maybe it will give you perspective to see what you're good at. Everyone is good at something, so they should have their superpower. In my shallow class in Denmark, like I had this amazing teacher called uh, Neil Ulner. I love him so much. He's like, he's my shallow father. In his class, everyone was different. Everyone was good at something. Like we had one girl, she was super good in Baroque playing and I'm really good at playing loud. And then we had another guy, he was super smart when it comes to composing and arranging and he was really good with his ear. And yeah, everyone was good at something. We had this little girl. She was uh, not a girl, which was a little bit shorter than the, the other and had very small hands. And she had the technique like a monster. So everyone was good at something so we could learn from each other it was never a competition because everyone was so different instead of seeing what everyone is doing wrong try to see what they do good because you can learn from it and it's like i said when when i practice if you always focus on the negative things that's what you're going to remember and become so if you focus on good things you're going to become the good things you're going to learn from the good things learn from the things that people are good at instead of being jealous and trying to shoot them down because we want to be good and there's place for everyone i think but if you are fighting a lot, I mean, try to understand the other person. Because this this psychology also with the red and green glasses. Is the glass half full or half empty? You can choose which kind of person you want to be. And a lot of people are really good at being negative because they practice it a lot of years. They are so good at thinking that they are shitty and, oh, it's so bad. It's oh, snowing, it's, it's too warm, it's too cold. You know, they're good at it. So if you want to be good at being positive, you have to practice it. It doesn't come by, by itself. Because your brain wants to do the the routine, it loves the routine, it knows the routine. So you have to change it. Do the opposite. Have a wine-free hour. Try that one. One hour, you cannot complain in a social gathering. It's quite hard for some people. And if one hour is easy-peasy, take one week, take um, one month without whining. Not without one complaint. Me, myself, is super hard because I was one of those people. I was always like, meh, because it's easy to bond you know your enemy's enemies is my friend it's easy to like oh I'm so tired yeah I'm even tired there you know like people love to see them conversate like this and give them some gathering but then if you say you're tired 20 times a day do you think you will be more tired or more energetic after that you know
2: Are there any important tips or advices that you would like to give to young musicians who are starting their career and also who are starting their Facebook and Instagram pages right now that you haven't mentioned yet?
1: My teacher in high school, he said a very good thing. He said, don't believe everything that is true. So my advice would be like, don't believe everything that is true, because maybe it's true that you are not good enough. Maybe it's true that you are not the best one, but. Don't believe it, you know? Maybe it looks like everyone else is uh, having such a great life, but it's not true, you know? Because everyone has shit. And I think it's really good also because then you are more critic against what you see because people in the newspaper, they always want to blow up everything. And like, it's more important that one man got killed by a beer... Who like happens like I'm I don't know it doesn't happen very often that people get killed by beers, you know but they make it so big thing like beers are super uh, dangerous uh, you know but then that the woman gets killed by their husband like that happens all the time and no one cares about that because it's not dramatic it's not unusual so just because people things get big doesn't mean that it's like Important, you have to put it in a good relationship. Okay, but how often does it happen that a beer eats a human? Not very often, so actually, it's not that dangerous. But to be killed by your husband or uh, by someone in your family is actually very high risk compared to a beer. So, you know, keep perspective and it's not, don't like, don't listen to other people. Who are they to say? Who, who am I to say what you should do? You know, a lot of people say, Petronala, don't come to me when you, your life goes to hell and when you're a failure as a musician. I'm like, what is these people, you know, who do they, they don't know who can become good. Who are they to tell me what I should do? They, they're no one. I mean, I only know what I can do and people can eat with their feet, you know, they learn how to eat with their feet. Can you do it? I I mean, I can hardly get my uh, feet up to my nose or to my uh, belly button and people are eating with their feet. They're painting with their feet. They are like people who don't have legs are walking. I mean, should it be so difficult to play on a wooden box? I don't think so you know i don't i don't buy it i don't buy that argument and now maybe i'm going to piss off a lot of people but i don't believe in talent because to be honest no scientists have ever been able to locate talent it doesn't exist in the science world there's no proof that it actually exists it's like a ghost just being there and people believe that either either you have it or not. And I'm like, but can you measure it? Can you see, can you go and do a test and see if you have a talent? No, there is no test because no one knows what it is. It is a ghost that everyone talks about and no one has seen, or they maybe have seen it, but they cannot explain it. I mean, why should I put time into something that I can affect? I can't choose who my genetic is. I can only do the best with what I have right now. So, I mean... And so many people hate me now because I said that. Uh, a lot of music teachers there are like, Oh, i seen it. Oh, my student. Or a lot of people like to... But I think when they talk about talent, is because they like to blame the universe because they didn't get successful. I didn't have talent. It's the universe's fault that I'm not successful. No. It's not. It's your. You have to do the work. You have to do the work. And if you don't know how to do the work, you have to find someone who knows and ask them how to do it or find someone that can help you, you know. Don't blame the universe for your mistakes. And it's hard. It sucks that you have to do it. I mean, a lot of my job is not to be like mentally just coaching people that you can do it you know it's also to provoke them and tell them the truth when they need to hear it because a mental trainer is like a mental trainer is like a coach in the gym you know you hate that person screaming at you like five more and you have like, more I'm gonna kill him," you know and that's a little bit what I do also I am I am provoking but I mean don't I don't care about talent I really don't because I cannot do anything about it and there is no until it proven maybe there will be in the future some proof that it exists or a a clear definition of it, then maybe I will believe in it. But for now, I will not believe in it because it doesn't exist, uh, scientific. So I'm sorry, but uh, uh, don't blame the universe. That's just what I have to say about it.
2: Is there anything else that you want to say very desperately right now? Because I'm done with my questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, have fun, be happy.
1: I think the most important thing is to be happy because we forget that and we work all the time and we forget to live. I mean... What is the why do you play an instrument why do you sing because it makes you happy and if that's like that's the whole point isn't it so if it doesn't make you happy why are you doing it you know is it an investment is it just like a a bandage that you have to have for a while and then it will be better but if it doesn't make you better or make you happy why do you do it i mean so many people are just forgetting to live and then they get a job in the orchestra and then they're like okay now what you know Have a plan for making you happy. It's really important because life is about being happy. Think about that also. I mean, it's no use being a famous musician if you feel like shit, you know. And a lot of musicians are like that. That's why they do a lot of drugs and they get into a lot of trouble because they are not happy. I mean, be happy. It sounds like Bob Marley here. Be happy. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, be happy. That's the most important thing. And I mean, do what you feel like. It's nice to fail, you know. You have to fail if you want to be uh, successful. And what's the worst that can happen? I thank you very much for this interview. <laughs> thank you for doing this. It's scary to be on the other side, but it's also very fun, you know. It's good for me to get the impression how it feels from this side to answer the questions. But I talk too much, of course, always.
2: <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed having this interview. I liked that I got a lot of information from you. I had m- more people talking about sports. I had more people talk about being happy, which are things that I actually heard, hear a lot. I really like your view on just going for it and your talk about just asking people because that is always something that holds me back uh, that I can learn a lot from. I thought it was a very interesting interview and I thank you very much. Thank you good questions
1: and everything it's very nice to to investigate this kind of things and I'm, I'm also happy to hear that you are also like on the mission you know to find a good uh, way because if we are curious we will develop and curiosity is very i think is a key for success also if people are um, afraid of doing things like a lot of people they come to me with a dream and they say yeah i have this dream i have this project i want to do i'm like yeah okay why are you not doing it why are you telling me And then they have a lot of excuses why they are not doing it. And I'm like, why are you arguing to me why you don't, why you can't do it? You're sitting here arguing against your dreams. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, why are you doing it? Do you want to do it? And they're like, no. I was like, stop doing it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't come to me and argue against your dreams because, I mean, you can do everything. People did it before, you know. Other people did it. Why, Why can they do it and not you, you know? Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed being in Mastering Music. We are very happy to have you here. And now we're going to send you back to Tilburg. Yes,
0: thank you. Mastering Music. Master